0: What's up, everybody, and welcome into this special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. That's Wrestling TWT as we talk about NXT. Stand and deliver. What a terrific two-night show for Triple H for Shawn Michaels and the crew. For NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver from the CWC Center in Florida. So we will talk about that event and kind of go through the highlights of what I thought was, once again, a great job by NXT. There's never been a bad takeover, and guess what? Once again, it was not a bad takeover. I'm talking about night one and night two. You can go into the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, just go back a few episodes, and you can hear the media calls from Triple H on night one and on night two, it was Triple H and Shawn Michaels talking about uh, NXT takeover, stand and deliver. So if you missed that, go in the archives. It's right there uh, for Tuesday, wrestling Tuesday. If You want to hear from those gentlemen about uh, what they put together and how the matches came out. Well, that's there's right there for you on TWT. We love to hear those media calls to find out what's going on in their minds and whether or not it matches up with what you and I think is, Fans. So let's go through the show, Night One, Sand Deliver. It's amazing. A, a Night One that has Tony Storm on the pre show. <laughs> Tony Storm is one of the best women wrestlers out there, but it shows you how deep uh, that NXT's roster is. Let me go right to the main event, the Women's Championship on the line. EO Shirai taking on Raquel Gonzalez. Now, we've seen Raquel Gonzalez here for about a year, and I think that even though that she's tall and powerful, I still think she needs a little seasoning. You could tell that, They are betting on Raquel Gonzalez to be a monster and a difference maker in the women's division. Maybe that means Io Shirai at some point will go to Raw and SmackDown. Not sure. But Gonzalez has worked hard to get to this point because of her power, because that she can be able to do things that smaller women do. But Raquel Gonzalez wins the women's championship via pinfall. I thought it was a good match, a great match. Um, But I just like that she could do a lot of different things. The ring, big lariat, choke slam. She does everything that you expect a big woman to do in that spot, just like big men do the power moves. And so she did that. Yoshirai is fearless. That's one thing we know about her. If we we're doing a. Match game or trying to say, okay, if I say Io you say what? And the first thing I would say is fearless because she dives all over the place. I understand that her personality away from wrestling is very sheepish, very quiet. Didn't say a lot, um, but she says a lot when she puts on those tights and she defends that women's championship. Uh, she does a lot of things in the ring. That's I mean, aerial, high flyer, um, can move around in the ring pretty quickly, but this match ends up with Raquel Gonzalez being the new women's champion.
1: what moon soul. what must be going through the mind of Io Shirai. perhaps it's the pull of Raquel Gonzalez but Gonzalez back on top Gonzalez now using this time playing the champion on the floor well, but Gonzalez fine. has to get Io Shirai back into the ring only way the title can change hands pitfall or submission well this is exactly how Raquel Gonzalez EO Shirai at the Women's War Games match back in December. Of course, as you mentioned, Beck, redundant outside of the ring, but now Raquel staring. We've got to wonder if all the risk taking has taken its toll on EO Shirai's body. Good silence. Out. Gonzalez has been knocked silly though. Can she get her feet underneath herself? Capital Wrestling center on their feet. Gonzalez looking for that one-arm power bomb to stink her come-
0: So there it is. It is Raquel Gonzalez winning the NXT Women's Championship. Really good matchup and a pretty good build too because it was ultimately, hey, Raquel Gonzalez is telling Yoshirai, you need to stay down. What do what will it take for you to stay down? I'm gonna put you down. And she did. And she wins the championship. How about the tag team championships with MSK, grizzled young veterans and Legado del Fantasma? Okay, so uh, I like this matchup a lot. It was fast, a lot of drop kicks, a lot of. Uh, a lot of movement, a lot of high-flying in this matchup as well. So, I mean, not surprising because all three of these teams are in the ring. Grizzled young veterans at some point cannot just be the veteran team that loses. Uh, I've watched them very closely, and I know my friend Josh Lopez as well has watched them very closely on uh, NXT UK, and they're completely over. Uh, If they're over in the UK... Uh, they can be over in the United States, but you just have to be able to put them in a better light. MSK clearly is a team that uh, NXT is pushing, and so I totally get that. And from there, you see... the. Le- uh, legato del Fantasma. I like that tag team. I like that faction, actually. I don't love it, but I think I, it's very good because someone spins out of there and becomes a really big single star on the next level. Um, I thought that it was a, a really good match, not necessarily great, because I've seen these triple threat matches and I've seen the kind of speed in these matches. So I thought that the all three really put on a really great show. And how about this? The NXT UK Championship. My guy, Volter, taking on Tommaso Ciampa. I knew this was going to be an A-plus match because of two reasons. Why? Number one is because Ciampa's in the ring as a ring veteran. And he knows how to be able to get sympathy as a babyface or really make you want to hate him as a heel. That's just when you're a tenured veteran like Ciampa, he can do everything to manipulate and twist the minds of fans. And in this case, he's a... Babyface that is a rebel without a cause and the dude just wants to be able to win the NXT UK Championship. Now, just think about this for a second. Volter against Champa. Champa, has he spent time at NXT UK? Has he wrestled the wrestlers in UK? No. It's just if I don't even know if this was really it didn't really feel like a championship match. It just felt like a challenge match. Because it's not like Champa says, okay, I win, so now I'm gonna be on NXT UK taking on, you know, the coffee brothers or whatever. Even though those would be good matches, um it just felt like a challenge match more so than a title match. Volter is great. I've said this many times on this podcast, he's a young Andre. When Andre the giant can move around young, he that's what Volter looked like. And I know that the image that you might have in your mind of Andre is the Andre that could barely move against Hogan in WrestleMania 3 or What you saw from him against Jake the Snake Roberts at Saturday Night's main event. Um, That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a young Andre, the young films, the really old films that we saw of Andre before he came to America, uh, when Andre could drop kick and be able to do a lot of things, even at his size. Uh, that's what Walter reminds me of. He is a throwback. and He would be over in any generation. When you, when I see his face, when I saw him coming down the aisle for this takeover shot, I said, lie, my God, this is a guy that grew up watching that same face, that same haircut, those black boots. He just, he just comes straight ahead as a badass." And there's a reason why Volter has been the champion for so long because the company has not been able to find someone that says, okay, we can find this wrestler to beat walter And if you do find that wrestler, would it make sense because walter is just way so dominant? A great story was told between these two as Tommaso Ciampa was working on the right hand of Walter And walter has got one of the best chops, if not the best chop in the business. I mean, the business of wrestling and so the story is how can Walter use his right hand for that devastating chop if you take it away from him so they worked. so Ciampa worked on the wrist and he worked on the arm so you know it was up till Walter used his left hand or try to use something else to try to take out Tommaso Ciampa Ciampa tried didn't work at the end
1: Walter catching Ciampa Walter now just trying to keep Champa down Walter now looking for a pin trying to use his size look at the neck look at the strike oh the no, 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 no. no, no. Oh. they bet you brought up the neck surgeries the injury history Walter doesn't care powerbomb Just a volley of moves attacking the upper back and neck of Tommaso Ciampa once again another powerbomb come Take back. count Chill my
0: Walter wins the matchup against Ciampa. Really great matchup. When's the last time you saw a Chop as a finish? Because that was the one thing that Ciampa was working on, and finally the Chop put him down for a 1 2 3. Really, really a plus match. Uh, the way that night one started with Pete Dunn against Kishida, perfect. Perfect. That's what that's the match that you want. I will ask this question though. I'll ask this question. If Pete Dunne continues to do the whole thing with the joint manipulation, the whole thing with the fingers, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know you've seen Pete Dunne where he extends the fingers and tries to pop them or tries to break the fingers. If he continues to do that, yes, if he spreads the fingers and no one's fingers ever break, then how effective is that move really? It makes you think, right? If you have someone that separates your fingers and tries to snap them, that's one thing. Yeah, it's going to hurt, but if it doesn't break, then what's the point of it? He goes to that so often to the point where it's like, okay, the wrestler sells it, his opponent sells it for about 10, 15 seconds, and then he's using that hand again uh, to punch or to do whatever. It's a great spot once in a while but when it's used six or seven times and the finger never breaks it's the equivalent of someone standing in the corner you have someone in the corner and you stand up on the second rope and you hit that person 10 times well if they don't draw blood if there's no black eye then what's the point of standing there punching someone 10 times and never drawing any blood or you can't get a pinfall from it same thing with the whole thing with the finger manipulation like as I mentioned, it's a cool spot. It's very unique. Stomping on the fingers and try Okay, but yet, I've seen P. Dunn lose also. <laughs> so, it's not like someone told in their hand, like, well, I've rendered this right hand or this left hand useless because you keep separating my fingers. So, I, my old point always, when I see that, it's like, great, have you broken his arm? Have you broken his hand? Have you broken his fingers? You haven't? You've just stretched the ligaments or you've... Give him something to think about. Ouch. It's more of an ouch or an owie more so than trying to break someone's fingers. Just odd. Leon Ruff, Isaiah Swerve, Scott, Bronson Reed, uh, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, L.A. Knight, and that Gauntlet Eliminator match. That was pretty good. Um, it was good to see Isaiah Swerve Scott and Bronson Reed toward the end. Swerve is a veteran; I watch at MLW, so I know that he's very good. And Bronson Reed, you could tell that they're trying to push this this young man. Uh, I love the shades of Bam Bam Bigelow that I see from him from time to time when I'm in the ring. You could tell he spent a lot of time in, and they like the super heavyweight in that spot. So I like that a lot. All right, let's move over to uh, night number two. From Rob Zombie to Poppy, say cheese. Night two of NXT, stand and deliver from the CWC Center. Don't forget, go to the archives and check out, as Poppy just goes absolutely ballistic in the ring. Uh, Don't forget to (laughs) check out Triple H and Shawn Michaels in the media conference as they talk to the press after night one and night two. There's two separate feeds right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Check it out. Uh, Wherever you download your podcast and make sure you tell people Jonathan Hood's Talking Wrestling on TWT. All right. Now that Poppy's done spazzing out in the ring, (laughs) at the end, I'm not sure what she was saying. That unreleased song, Say Cheese. How about night two uh, of Stand Up, Stand and Deliver? Uh, And so it starts off with a guy that I really like in Jordan Devlin. I'm a big fan of Devlin, and he's in this spot here, and he believes that he's the champion. Devlin against Santos Escobar for the Cruiserweight Championship. So Santos Escobar has a championship that he won, but you know before the pandemic, Jordan Devlin was a Cruiserweight Champion. So I love how Shawn Michaels slid the ladder underneath the bottom rope on an NXT program to say, hey, why don't we sell this, you know, what a ladder match. I thought there were some tremendous bumps and tremendous moves, especially from Jordan Devlin, like Spanish fly off a ladder. Like, who does that? Well, Jordan Devlin does that. Um, Just amazing strikes and amazing moves in this matchup. If you haven't seen this, go out of your way and find that Cruiserweight Championship matchup between Escobar and Jordan Devlin. The head-scratcher for this, though, is that we know Escobar and his group um, are heels. So is Jordan Devlin. There's no way to consider Jordan Devlin a heel, a babyface in this scenario. So to see him being attacked three-on-one or two-on-one as the group for Escobar is trying to help, right? It just felt a little strange. Like the two were doing just fine. And, it's, and I'm not sure if Escobar really needed help. But I, it just felt odd to me because Jordan Devlin by no means is a babyface. But that's kind of how it turned out at the end.
1: Middle of all this, Santos Escobar alone in the ring with the ladder. And now Santos Escobar starting his climb after Legada del Fantasma took out Devlin. Escobar so close to the titles. Oh! Devlin, out of desperation, just chucked the ladder. Refusing to stay down, managing to stay in this matchup, perhaps that was a mistake by Santos Escobar, sending Legado del Fantasma to the back. And Devlin now, setting up his ladder, both superstars, out to prove they're the best, they're the undisputed champion of the world, they're the one, they're the only, this is what they're willing to risk to call themselves champion and Jordan Devlin doing everything in his power Santos Escobar upping the level of danger oh my god oh no Escobar trying Devlin countering Devlin continuing to fight yeah. oh got god he cheated me destruction in this match. You know, take a look at his position and then out of nowhere to a Spanish fly, neither man able to move. Let me tell you, nobody comes off well in a move like that. This indeed is awesome. This is about becoming the undisputed Cruiserweight Champion and well, Santos, that hasn't moved. Jordan Devlin, that they clear path up the ladder. Jordan Devlin is just a few feet away from accomplishing everything that he set out to do. Becoming the one and only undisputed cruiserweight champion. Devlin struggling but pulling himself up. Devlin closing in, closer, almost to the top rope. Escobar starting to move. Devlin starting to reach. Devlin one more run away. Let's the to He's got it! Devlin has the titles for the moment. Escobar now starting to fight. Escobar, right after right, after rice right. wearing down Devlin. Escobar is all the way at the top. Both superstars teetering, reaching, trying to get the titles. Both men surely burning on their final embers at this point. Oh, got the goal! Oh, oh! Set crashing through the ladder. There is nothing now stopping Santos Escobar from etching his name, continuing to grow his legacy. As Santos Escobar looks around, now just needs to look up to grab both Cruiserweight Championships. One more run for Santos Escobar. The carnage of a broken ladder that Deadland lies in and Santos Escobar Claims World Championship Claiming
0: Santos Escobar over Jordan Devlin. I'm, I've watched Devlin at NXT UK, so I know that he can go. Um, hopefully, he'll be the future for NXT moving forward. How about the NXT Championship? Finn Balor against Karrion Cross. So, this is a restart for Karrion Cross, who initially was the NXT champion, got hurt, had to give up the championship. We've seen this before, right? Oh, at a moment, there was a moment that I was thinking, is this championship cursed? <laughs> If someone has it and there's an injury but Karrion Cross comes back from injury and they take on Finn Balor for the NXT championship I think the build for this was very good the focused work of Balor made for a very good story throughout the match the suddenness of Cross exploding to take the victory out of nowhere also was a nice touch um, so Karrion Cross, and I love the 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 introduction of Karrion Cross from the beginning, and here we are right now as he's now the new NXT champion. I really, really like this match. It's one of my favorite uh, of the NXT uh, takeovers, either the first night or second night. I love the story and the build and the result as Karrion Cross is now the new NXT champion.
1: I feel Cross, cross, trying to break the Balor Ballard does. This is your moment to release. Ragged as Ragged. It's Cross, cross right on the back of Ballard. Champion Kubiak, Children, ready right yeah. to have Balor's not yeah. yeah. moving. Ballard's going to protect himself. Cross, yeah. looking down at the fallen champion. Again, the lifeless no. body of Balor Hoisting it, playing it with a German suplex. Release oh. German, the battle. Pa- The Prince in a world of trouble right now. He wanted deep water, he's getting it. They're both swimming, Balor to his feet. The taking. Cross blocking out everything. Looking at Balor.
0: Karrion Cross, the new NXT champion. I liked it. And so, you know, I think that's one of my favorite matches of the NXT takeovers, either night one or night two. I, I just I love the build of it and Karrion Cross, just the way that it ended. Man, I like to see these two wrestle for another six, seven, eight times. I'm sure there'll be a rematch. And I want to be there in front to see it because I think that's they got something cooking here to see those two in the ring. And lastly, the unsanctioned match. Lights out, they used to call it back in the day. They say call it unsanctioned now, but back, day, back in the day when you had an, an Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly, the arena would turn the lights off and then they'd turn the lights on because it would be a lights out match, meaning that the promotion has nothing to do with this. When we cut the lights off, that's the end of our show. This is just a grudge match. So whatever happens between these two or our tag team or whatever, we've got nothing to do with it. And those kind of stakes were kind of interesting back then because when you're growing up watching, you're like, oh, if the promotion doesn't want anything to do with it, then, then this must be really serious. Same thing here with this unsanctioned match with Adam Cole against Kyle O'Reilly. This match took a while, and if it's an NXT finale, it's going to take a while. It's going to be 30 minutes plus. So let's talk about builds, right? From Raw and SmackDown standpoint, I know that a lot of people in the Twitterverse and the, those that are wrestling journalists or those that cover the sport of professional wrestling slash sports entertainment have talked about how Raw and SmackDown don't do a very good job of, as far as building towards something. Like, as a longtime wrestling fan, the number one thing for me is the build, right? the story. Why are these two fighting? Why are these four fighting? Why are these six fighting? What's the reason for it? Because if wrestling, especially WWE, is going to be like want to be like any other talk show or any other TV show, I should say. If you want to be like any other television show, what's the most important thing? Story, right? The most important thing is story when it comes to professional wrestling. Why are these two fighting? It could be the UFC. It could be a baseball game. It could be a basketball game. But there's going to be some kind of story about a series of matches or a matchup that takes place. I mentioned UFC is a perfect example. There's always a backstory. And so you have Adam Cole against Kyle O'Reilly. We know the story and it was told perfectly. Why did the Undisputed Era break up? I wish they didn't break up, but why did they break up? Raw and SmackDown have a hard time explaining story. They just let like the push matches out there. We saw that at WrestleMania. We'll talk about that in another podcast. But, you know, was it explained clearly from Adam Cole's standpoint of why he broke up the Undisputed Era? He didn't like the idea that Finn Balor would be a a member. He didn't like Kyle O'Reilly stepping into uh, Adam's space as the leader. So, there you have it. So... I've seen Kyle O'Reilly wrestle singles before. I've seen it because I've gone to ROH shows in the Chicagoland area and in Indiana. I've seen uh, ROH shows live as a fan. And so I know Kyle O'Reilly can go. I know that he's a great tag team wrestler as well with Bobby Fish. I've seen this for years. But there was never a time between this match and the time that the Undisputed Era broke up in which there was a singles match for Kyle O'Reilly to find out whether or not he can get it done or not. There was never any time for that. Usually, in a situation like this, Kyle O'Reilly has to make you believe that he could beat Adam Cole. Dude, this felt like, initially, the number one seed against the number 16 team in the NCAA tournament. This felt like Buster Douglas against Mike Tyson. It felt like a major favorite against a major underdog because Kyle O'Reilly still had that little seed of doubt when you saw him come to the ring. That little seed of whether or not I should go through with this and while the match was going on. I'm uh, not sure. He's still my friend. And so it made you think, and maybe this is the way it was written, this is the way it's supposed to be. It had that feeling of Kyle O'Reilly just being the ultimate underdog in this spot. Now, if that's what they were shooting for, that's brilliant. But usually you'd see Kyle O'Reilly in a singles match or you see him in a couple of matches to show, hey, man, when Adam Cole is sitting, uh, you know, at the broadcast position or if he's on the ramp or if he's in the back watching, he's got to know that Kyle O'Reilly is not a tag team wrestler that he can actually go. And it was a fight for sure.
1: What is Adam? Adam. Adam. Adam Cole. You don't think. He can impale Kyle O'Reilly. O'Reilly! O'Reilly again after that steel chair, barely moving. Adam Cole trying to move his way around the carnage. The steel chain. Better than you. you hear me? Always. And I always will be. Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? Oh! Oh. O'Reilly it back! Give Adam Cole a taste of his own medicine! Kyle! Looking down! O'Reilly again, wrapping that chain around his right leg! O'Reilly's got a plan! They're sick, sadistic thoughts! Flowing through the brainwaves of Kyle O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Adam Cole. The net is loaded. The knee indeed is loaded. O'Reilly is perched. Cole across the neck, Cole through the chair. For the love of God. And the cover. Kyle O'Reilly. ever been a part of, take a look at the Capitol Wrestling Center, standing ovation on their feet for two men, whether you like them or whether you don't, stood and delivered on the biggest stage we have in NXT.
0: Whoa. <laughs> that was an amazing matchup. I'm thinking about that match and just think, you know, O'Reilly's got... Uh, Adam Cole and just in a choke and they both go through the stage. I don't know. That's got to hurt. You know, as Adam Adam Cole just drives O'Reilly right through the staging and they go underneath the stage, the the ramp, the suplex by Adam Cole onto Kyle O'Reilly on the steps, the chain being involved in the matchup as well. Like O'Reilly gives um, Cole a big nut shot on the ropes. And then just kind of just watching Kylo Riley put the chain around his leg and then puts a put the leg drop right to the back of the neck of, uh, of Adam Cole. And that was the finish. That was a vicious move. The flying knee drop to the back of the neck of Adam Cole a little something i just want to point out if you notice in that matchup the referee took off did not have his referee shirt the official had just his black t-shirt and black pants to make it look unofficial because it was a non-sanctioned match it was nxt official but it was uh official without his official like nxt referee shirt which made it very very different but boy, those two just put it on the line. I hope that you enjoyed that matchup. That's what a grudge match is supposed to be. Now, the question I would have is like, what's next for these two? Like that's supposed to be the blow off. So I don't know if there is a, another match, if it's gonna be a trilogy like we've seen with Champa and Gargano, I have no idea. You would think that that would be the end with those two. That's what it seemed like, but who knows? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with NXT on Tuesday nights. Uh, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, you can go to the archives and hear my thoughts about NXT. I did two different podcasts, one about AEW moves, uh, staying on Wednesdays in the Wednesday Night War and, of course, NXT moving to Tuesday nights. NXT is not running away from uh, AEW. Uh, But it's probably a good idea for NXT to have their own night, and they will on Tuesday nights. And I think that's great for them. I discovered them when they had shows on the WWE Network. It was kind of like my look into what wrestling used to be, and I still see it now. Grudge matches, in-ring performances, a lot less Gaga. Uh, Shout out to The Wave Uh, uh, shout out to The Way and uh, Johnny Gargano. That's the only really gaga that we get on that show. But ultimately, it's about what's in the ring, the competition, the stories that they tell. And Triple H has always been great with that, just telling stories inside the ring. And so uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels and that crew have done a great job with these wrestlers and really developing their own brand. It's not WWE light. It's Truly NXT, their own brand. And so as we get fans like you and I going back to the arenas and stadiums again, hopefully we'll be able to celebrate the uh, NXT going back on the road or being having these takeovers across the country. So that's just going to be a lot of fun. So I look forward to seeing what happens on Tuesday nights now with, uh, with NXT. It's a brand I've always believed in. And you talk about Stand Up and Deliver. Oh, they delivered big time on a two-night event. <laughs> They're pretty special, that is for sure. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at TWT. That's Wrestling TWT, And I'll talk about WrestleMania, night one and night two. Also, we'll get into the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame ceremony, and uh, some of the legends that were put into the WWE Hall of Fame. We'll talk about that as well right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So this is not the end. We've got a lot more to cover because the WWE, no matter what you think of them, when it came to their major events, they gave a lot of fans what they wanted, and that's joy, especially uh, at Raymond James Stadium. There is over 25,000 fans there on both nights, Saturday and Sunday. Pretty, pretty fun here. So I look forward to seeing what happens next. But hats off to NXT and hats off to uh, them no longer be on Wednesday nights. They're going to have their own night on Tuesday nights. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday.